Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak to Adela Worley, CEO of Charity Comms, about how charities can communicate internally to their teams and externally about their work to supporters and the media in order to raise their profile and help to continue their vital mission. Adela is a wonderful speaker and has delivered some great points about strategies and starting points for charities to consider. And we really appreciated Adela giving up her time to speak to us. In this current time of coronavirus crisis, communication is not just a vital tool, but perhaps the priority for charities to put their time and efforts into. Of course, communication is both a listening and speaking exercise. And with that in mind, this is a very good addition to a recent episodes where we have discussed engaging with supporters in a deep and meaningful way and understanding how charities can best serve their beneficiaries. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Adela Worley speaking about COVID-19 charity comms. I'm delighted to welcome Adela Worley, CEO of Charity Comms to Charity Chat. Hello Adela. Thanks for joining us. Hello. It's really good of you to join us. Thanks ever so much. You're speaking to me via Zoom now. And whereabouts are you based? So um, Charity Comms is actually based in the heart of the old city of London in Spitalfields. Um, and uh, about six weeks ago now, we had to abandon our office like many other people and get used to working remotely. And so I'm at home in beautiful southeast London in Catford. Uh, where we've had the most sparkling weather. It's kind of a cruel irony that spring is bursting around us and yet we can't really go out into the countryside. How, how are you and your team doing with the um, kind of social distancing and things? As, as an organisation, are you managing that okay? Are you uh, having to deal with any, well, kind of keeping um, positive and, and mental health, positive mental health and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely all of that, I think. Um, we were a pretty tech savvy team, but even so we had to um, pick up our laptops and download things like Zoom and Microsoft Teams. We're all working from home. We're scattered, actually scattered across the country and we're not all in London. Um, and we've got to grips with um, using those platforms um, for um, one of the things that Charity Comms does is we, we are really about supporting a professional network of communicators. And our model is peer-to-peer -peer learning. And we run a program of over 70 events a year and nearly all of them are face-to-face -face events. So you can imagine we've had to do a rapid transformation to bring all of that great content and that community building into the online space. Um, I think as a team, we've really um, kind of it sounds bad to say this, but actually there are many good things that can come out of these extraordinary times. And as a team, we're, we're kind of um, communicating with each other much more effectively. Um, we're using Slack, we're using Trello, we're using every week now we produce a little summary bulletin of what we've all been up to. And we actually use that to update our trustees as well so that they know what we've been up to and what impact we're having. So I think we're getting used to everything like creating virtual water cooler moments. So those times in the day that you would have had a chat over a cup of tea, 
you know, we start every week with a social um, check-in uh, on a Monday morning, and then we end the week with a, a kind of Friday night um, cup of tea, a piece of cake, or maybe something stronger if it's been a hard week. But and we don't talk about work. We we actually just talk about our lives and how we're coping, and just anything but work. And I think those sorts of moments are really important to keep team culture buoyant and to make those personal connections, which in the end are what makes a really effective team. It's um, feeling trust and enjoyment in each other's company um, and, and keeping the values of Charity Comms alive, which is very much about participation and inspiration and creativity and warmth. So yeah, it's really, really important. Especially at this point, I suppose, because I guess uh, I feel with, um, I've got a small team and I feel really it's, it's kind of a support network there, especially for members of the team who maybe live with just one other person yes. and um, aren't seeing anyone else really. Um, so that's, that's quite vital, I guess, especially at the moment for that sense of, you say, warmth and, and um, kind of presence with one another. Yeah, and it's really interesting because we're, I think we're going to try also buddying up. So each week we'll buddy with someone different in the team so that you're just there as a sounding board for your colleagues if they want to talk about anything or if they're struggling or yeah um because my team have got all of them have got their own personal circumstances some of them are working alone some of them are working out of a shared home some of them are homeschooling their young children you know there are all sorts of challenges so making sure that we know we're there for each other is a, a really important part of our jobs at the moment but those are all things that we shouldn't lose. We, we were talking yesterday, we had a team meeting about what, what's our purpose now? What are we primarily here for during the crisis? But also, what are we learning that we want to apply for the future? And I think that, that future resilience and hope and building is a very important part of the piece too. day to day you're working with a lot of charities and presumably at the moment you're you're getting a an insight into how charities are uh, managing or, or struggling with the current uh, COVID-19 situation I mean we're recording this on the 24th of April so we're yes. a good few weeks in to um, well we're not sure how it's going to pan out but it's, it's obviously a very unprecedented is the word that everyone uses time and um, what what are you what are you seeing from charities in terms of the the comms challenges that they're facing at the moment and uh, yeah. and how how are they overcoming these challenges yeah um so yes we are absolutely hearing from charities right across the sector from very small charities to the big high street names um in the first um period of time i think understandably um the feedback that we had was the challenge of remote working you know how do you you know some people were really tech savvy and had the equipment they needed and had the competence to use the tools but others were really struggling with that i think also what we've just talked about which is how do you motivate your teams how do you remotely it's, it's suddenly a, a much more difficult job mm -hmm. um, many of them were coping with difficult decisions about furloughing their communications teams and what impact that was having on those who remained and those who had been furloughed um, and the mental well-being so all the things that we've just talked about were the things that our members were talking to us about um, 
so and i think that was a that was in the early weeks that was what was dominating people's um minds and um really worrying them actually and i can completely understand that and empathize with it because we'd obviously gone through the same thing ourselves um as time has gone on we've been liaising with all of our special interest groups um and they're feeding back and in fact we have a pop-up survey on our website just a temperature take three questions about how you're doing what are your challenges how can we help and so we're getting constant feedback from them so I'll give you a few examples. So internal communications teams um, are, have become, you know, at the heart of everything, if you like. They're feeling the pressure um, because they need to ensure the charity stakeholders, whether that's staff or trustees, volunteers, beneficiaries and the wider public, they have to have clear and consistent messaging so that people really understand what they're there for, the fact that they're still doing great work, that they're making a difference. And also what's really interesting is that they've been um, front and center of helping their CEOs step into the limelight, be even more visible than normal. So helping them to do um, things that maybe they wouldn't have done like um, video blogging or doing more media work. You know, so really hand hold, holding those stakeholders. And then from the digital teams, well, you can imagine um, they are also in the spotlight. Everybody wants a piece of the action. Everybody wants to get their message out, their campaign asks. Um, they want to um, new digital services and products you know, really quickly. So I think digital teams, they've been thinking, wow, we're suddenly, we're, we're in demand. We're also under greater scrutiny. We've got senior managers looking at what we're doing and asking us why we're doing it. We've got strategies that we had, plans that we've had to put on hold or repurpose. So there's a lot of having to think really quickly and um, having to um, develop stories that are going to land very well in the current context. So I think it's, I mean, the, the other end of it is if you think about charities who run helplines mm. or, or support services, that transition from um, maybe a service that really relied on face-to-face -face human contact, having to rapidly bring that into uh, a relationship that's done by email or like we're doing on Zoom um, or on the telephone. Uh, so retraining staff to actually make that transition really quickly. And what we've heard is that for those sorts of charities, the demand has know not just doubled it's tripled you know the number of calls and and quite distressing content as well with people in genuine need who need their support so i think it is a really challenging time and for you you've mentioned that you're you're a fundraiser so you can imagine that fundraising has taken a massive hit because you know all those challenge events that people would have done the running and the, you know, the marathon and all of that has had to be again changed uh, either postponed and replaced a different form of fundraising so but there has never been a more important time i think for us to be supporting charities in their fundraising work and their communications work so that they can thrive and survive for the future <laughs>Landscape is changing for charities daily or weekly, and has been mm. for the last few weeks. So, how do charities overcome those those challenges in terms of comms? I mean, is it about 
just working more swiftly and trying to put aside um, existing strategies and, and to kind of really kind of move off, you know, on the hoof a little bit more? Or, or are, there, are there kind of strategies or, or ways of working you think that, that charities could be looking at to embrace these really changing landscapes? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think... I think the impact of the pandemic has forced a lot of charities into changes, some of which they were planning to make anyway, but they've just had to do it much more quickly. So I think the ability to work at speed, the, um, the, comfort, the degree of comfort you feel with taking risks, testing things, learning and then moving on, um, I think having to be flexible and to reprioritize, so not hanging on to, you know, plans that you already had, if they just don't, they just don't make sense. We can't afford to be tone deaf to the new reality. I think um, being patient and giving each other a bit of slack is really important as well. Um, collaboration and partnership. I mean, there are lots of organizations that are doing more of this in, um, in the times I'm thinking about some of the cancer charities uh, they actually before the pandemic hit they came together to work on an initiative called the one cancer voice um, and I think that they were they were they had seen the power of working together to cut through the noise um, rather than all trying to compete with conflicting messages mm. so that kind of all pointing in the same direction with messaging that it's more of a symphony than a cacophony, if you like. I think that's a really important thing. And I, uh, last night, um, the BBC ran its um, uh, event called The Big Night In, which was the coming together of BBC Children in Need and Comic Relief um, to showcase the great work that charities do um, to support the NHS, actually. Uh, in, in its time of need and how essential they are, that they're not just a nice to have, that they absolutely are a, a part of how society works and how people live their lives. And so that was a really interesting thing. So it brought together two different, two different events into one and it brought lots of charities together to help make the campaign work. And I've, I've been involved in working with um, a range of um, charitable bodies to try and help with the messaging. So developing an overarching narrative for uh, the charity sector that tells that story of um, the essential role that we play and the need to make us part of the solution now, mm. but also the solution going forward. And so we launched um, a social media burst last night to coincide with the, a big night in um, called Never, Never More Needed, hashtag Never More Needed. And that's providing a way for lots of charities to tell their stories. Um, so I do think that whole collaboration piece and partnership is so important. I think charities are also looking for ways to reimagine their face-to-face -face events. So you've got, um, so this weekend would have been the London Marathon. Mm -hmm. Clearly that's not going to happen, but they've launched the 2.6 campaign. So it's how you can do all sorts of challenge events from home which I think is absolutely brilliant. So I think that kind of inventiveness and almost exploiting the fact that we're all at home with our families and, uh, you know, that we can still do stuff um, that will really make a difference. 
and there, there seems to certainly be a real despite the, the the challenges a lot of individuals and families are going through in terms of i suppose the health worries and the financial difficulties that some people are already going through there seems yes. to be an enormous amount of compassion doesn't there for the nhs especially at the moment but also i think we, we've talked to others about the the huge kind of potential for charities to build stronger relationships with their supporters and talk about the vulnerable people in society and how they're aiming to help them and to really kind of see it as a, an opportunity to um to build more support for their causes definitely i mean i was thinking about one of the charities featured last night was um a local charity i think they were called community fridge and they were kind of part of the the food bank movement but they were doing lots of lots of nice things like they'd hooked up with a local radio station to get their message out they were working with homelessness key workers to promote what they were doing as well and they were putting little leaflets in food food um, parcels for people so just looking for ways that the new touch points that you have with people's lives um, I, I just I think that inventiveness and, and that flexibility is is remarkable and it's it's happening at a macro level with those big high street brands on things like 2.6 but it's also happening on the micro level with small local charities too sector has uh, unified around an ask to government for um, financial support. Um, NCBO actually calculated um, that the, the charity sector actually needed more like 4 billion, 4.3 billion pounds um, because of the scale of um, the work that the sector does and the impact of the pandemic. That was just for the, the first three months I think of the pandemic. Yeah, that was exactly. lots of income for the first three months. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I think the response was um, was um, welcomed the support. I think the fact that the government have said that they recognise the value of the charitable sector is really important. I think that that package needs, the, the focus now needs to be on the distribution of that funding really fast and it's not happening fast and it needs to. And also the um, equitable um, nature of the distribution of those funds mm -hmm. and I think that we all recognize that those charities that the government talks about as frontline services the ones uh, supporting the NHS are undoubtedly um, you know important and need funding but there are there are many many more charities that underpin the fabric of people's lives that are equally important who need funding so the campaign goes on we will be pushing for more um, from the government uh, to make sure that I think, as I said earlier, to make sure that you know we we aren't just we aren't losing irreplaceable services um, and actually storing up bigger problems for the future. I think I think it needs a degree of foresight uh, to actually plan um, for the future, and and there'll come a point where that our focus needs to move more from the reactive into the proactive planning for the future and that that will be a really interesting um, phase of the campaign but uh, that's not to say that i mean government absolutely has to play a crucial role here um, and i think one of the things i've been really aware of is perhaps we as a sector haven't done as good a job as we need to explaining what we do and how we do it and why it matters 
unless you have that understanding and buy-in, when you hit troubled times like now, you have to do two things. You have to do that job and you have to try and keep things on track. So yeah, there are lessons here for us as well, I think. And it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to reconnect and engage with, pub with our public, with our supporters and beneficiaries. It's a chance to um, hear and listen what they need most from us so that we know um, that what we do and the resources that we put into doing it are being um, put in the right place and used in the most effective ways. So I think there is a, a real sense of what we can learn and how we can improve going into the future. Do you have any advice for any listeners to this show who might be CEOs of small charities or working for small charities who might be in quite a desperate situation about how can they immediately improve or, or look for advice on improving their own comms and their own um, kind of ways of reaching out to funders potentially or supporters or the media yeah. really kind of making noise about their cause and why they need to keep going yeah so the obvious answer to that is that they should come and come and uh, come and have a look at charity comms's website because we've we've um, like many organizations we've worked really hard to prioritize the kinds of tools and tips and um, resources um, that people need to help them with exactly those things that you said so to feel comfortable and to be, feel confident about working remotely to um, be able to tell their stories effectively so all our events um, we've, we've kind of re refocused around helping charities to communicate really effectively um, there are many other organizations doing great work in this area too and we're part of a network not just of charities, but of um, uh, agencies, creative agencies who work with the not-for-profit sector. They, they've got time uh, to help charities do their work effectively. So whether that's PR advice or creative writing or brand, you know, those agencies are there and we've, we've got supplier directories on our site that people can connect with. Um, we also have a fantastic portfolio of freelancers who are again offering their skills um, to the sector at this time. I think more broadly, um, people like NCVO, um, the Akivo, the Association for Chief Executives, are running amazing um, webinars um, and producing resources to help CEOs steer their way through the crisis, whether you're a small charity or a big one. So I'd really recommend having a look at those. Um, so I think, I think one of the things that was really, um, I certainly felt and I know other people did was in the first couple of weeks, there was so much information pouring into our inboxes. It was almost too much to filter. Um, and I think things have calmed down a little bit now. There's a little bit more time for reflection and actually finding the things that you need. But I think if you're struggling, just ask, please come and ask and we can try and if we can't help you, we'll signpost you to an organisation who, who can. Um, we actually did a piece of partnership work with the Media Trust in the first two weeks um, where we ran a survey to find out how, um, what charities were experiencing and what their biggest challenges were and how, um, how we might help them. And that's informing um, the work that we both do. Um, to, uh, so one of the ideas is trying to connect journalists 
with charities so that they can tell their stories. Um, but there's a need even before you start to do that, which is understanding how to work with journalists, understanding how to make something newsworthy. So something that you think is interesting may not, you just, it's the way that you package it up for a journalist and, and, and kind of nurturing coaching charity through that process in itself is a, is a, a learning curve. Uh, how do you think charities will have changed by the time we come out of uh, lockdown, whenever that will be? Do you think that, do you have any, um, any uh, guesses or speculations about how we <laughs> might have changed? Yeah, well, you know, um, I'm not sure if I wish for a crystal ball because, uh, yeah, you just don't know, do you? Um, I, I mean, obviously, well, the most obvious thing is the challenge to charities' income. And for some charities, that may be fatal. For others, it may just mean a profound change of business model of how they operate. It might mean that they um, merge with others. There are, there are quite a few um, conversations about, if not merger, collaboration anyway. So I think we'll see more of that. And I, to be honest, I think that's a really good thing. I think we should always be challenging ourselves to think, could we do what we do differently, more effectively, with more impact? I think. The digital divide, I'd really like to think that this gives us a chance to skill up um, the sector in how to make the most of digital technology, to um, deliver services, to um, engage people in our work. Um, I think homeworking, I, I don't think we're ever going to go back to um, commuting into an office every day. I think what we've learned from this is that you can run virtual teams, you can work from home, and still be an effective charity. Um, I think one of the other things is I hope that it's shown charities that it's so important to be clear about their purpose. People, you know, if you've got to justify your raison d'etre, then you've got to be able to tell that story succinctly and in a very, very compelling way. I hope that it will make people more ready to embrace um, risk and learning um, because I, I think being innovative and uh, responding to your context is really important. And I think we might have all had to learn that in a painful way, but a good way. And actually, one of the things that struck me is the changes to the way that charities um, run their governance. So the role of trustees in all of this. Um, so it's been really interesting for me working with my board. You know, we had a fairly conventional quarterly meeting face-to-face -face. and since this crisis we um, are working very differently we have board meetings on zoom fortnightly to really keep a very close eye on some of the most the, the critical performance indicators that are helping us manage the risk so we, pr we produce a really short um, uh, KPI report and, and then alongside that, I do a more qualitative uh, report about what our members have been saying back to us and how we've been responding. And so it's a more flexible, fleet of foot um, way of working with trustees, but it gives them, I suppose the good thing is it, it's also helped them to, to become a really strong governance team. They, they are getting to know each other really quickly and they're having to make decisions at speed as well. And they're getting to know our work um, really well. So I think it's a really interesting experiment and I really suspect that some of the lessons we learn around governance we will also carry forward into the future.
Adila Worley, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. Thank you very much. Um, stay safe and well, and I'd love to speak to you again in the future. big thank you there to Adila for joining us for this episode. We hope that uh, we'll get to speak to her again soon. Uh, future resilience, hope and building should be three tenets of all that charities planning right now. And even though for many charities there may be a real risk of closure, either short term through furloughing or long term, the remaining time ahead needs to be filled. And perhaps the starting points that Adila raised Will help you to do that. Charities are only as strong as the people who run them and support them, so it makes sense to me that well-being and mental health are both human and business priorities, especially now when so many are under so much pressure. Seeing the positives and opportunities to do more good is something that we should perhaps all be investing our energies into, so that once this crisis is over, we're a better place to help clean up and improve the landscape around us. Helping CEOs step into the limelight with things like video blogging and doing more media work and engaging our boards in a meaningful and efficient way is one way of doing this. We have to be flexible and reprioritize in the changing landscape and new reality. We cannot be tone deaf to the new reality. We can find better ways of collaboration and partnering with others. Examples of this have been seen recently with the One Cancer Voice, the Big Night In between the BBC Children in Need and Comic Relief, and the hashtag Never More Needed campaign run by charity comms themselves. It means all of us pointing in the same direction and, as a dealer said, creating a symphony rather than a cacophony, which is the best way of getting through to those people who really want to hear us. We're stronger together and we must change to meet the challenge that we face now, unprecedented challenge, which is still unfolding before our eyes. Move swiftly, learn from mistakes and be better for those who will need us now more than ever. Thank you for listening, dear listener. We really appreciate it. We hope that you're staying safe. It's just finally left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab, for sponsoring our podcast kit Magda Axmit for the beautiful website design. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. RR Yard Photography for the lovely pro bono images on our website. And Forrester Fools who have been playing throughout the show and are playing us out right now. That's it from me. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.